You ready? I'm Lisa. And I'm Kelly. And this is Bad at Boundaries, the podcast where we share personal stories about setting boundaries, healing, and growing into the people we want to be. Get ready to laugh, sigh, and draw the line with us. Super easy first take. Okay, should we start? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Lisa, where did you draw the line this week? Oh my god. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be absolutely insufferable for the next little bit because I saw the Barbie movie and it it has fully taken over my entire life. Like in less than 24 hours since I've seen it, I am obsessed with and like full disclosure, if you haven't seen the movie, like go see the Barbie movie and then come back to this episode. Yeah. There will definitely be spoilers, but it's completely changed how I feel about sisterhood. And that's what I want to talk about this week is drawing the line around sisterhood, finding that sense of kinship while still having boundaries and also working to heal kind of what what I have started calling sister wounds. Mm. Yes. So, okay, we should start by saying there's a feral friend and then there's sisterhood. And I think there's yeah. a difference. Yeah, right? there's a big difference, I think. Because, like, to me, a feral friend is, like, you know, you're, like, ride-or-die friends. Like, they'll show up for you under any circumstances. Whereas I feel like sisterhood applies much more broadly. Yeah, it has more of community implications, I think. Yeah, it's just, like, okay, so to talk about the Barbie movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> it more so, to me, like, talks about people who, like, Basically, just by looking at you, are able to see, like, the kind of shit you're going through and be able to empathize and understand that experience. So, like, two women in a room full of men, like, you feel that sisterhood with that person. I know, like, when I've been in public spaces and I've looked a little more queer and you see, like, the only other queer person, it's like you you know right away, okay, there's somebody here who's, like, on my team. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Especially in spaces where there's any sort of disparity, like, whether yeah. That's gender disparity or just like a lack of diversity and representation. Mm-hmm. When you are feeling like an outsider in those spaces, I think it's really important to be able to look around and be like, oh, hi. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> and like, hey, I see you. Mm-hmm. And like, so for example, actually, a really good example of this is the deal with tampons at my old job. Did I ever tell you the whole tampon saga? No. Okay, so I worked I worked in a really weird environment where there were like did appear to be an equal amount of men and women who worked there, but it was like all the women were in the supporting roles and in the coordinator assistant positions and all the men were like heads of departments managers, directors. So like if you just walked in and looked at the staff, you'd be like, wow, like it's a good mix of men and women. But immediately when you look at it on paper, it's like there's a clear disparity between who has power in this organization and who doesn't. Don't you just love (laughs) an organization who says that they represent (sighs) diversity, equity, inclusion, and then their org chart only has men in the top three hierarchy brackets? Seriously, I know. Sitting in those in some of those meetings that I sat in, I was just like, this is a whole lot of bullshit and like I even talk about this when we were doing our pride month episode Mm -hmm. when I was like I accidentally came out to a room full of non-queer people because I was just like I can't listen to you guys talk about how you're so like advocating for this community and you want to like promote diversity and equality and like you're just spouting bullshit and like not actually doing anything about it and like one of the things that used to drive me nuts so we worked in an older building old plumbing like we've all been there also like just in general don't flush your tampons like if you're still using (laughs) tampons just don't but like in all the women's bathrooms in this organization there was this like super obnoxious pink sign that says like ladies please don't flush your tampons like our plumbing is old and sensitive your shoes are too cute to get flooded all over like it was just like super like I was like face emoji yeah literally barf barf face emoji vomit emoji like just what the fuck and also like (sighs) it's not just women that menstruate yeah it's not just women that menstruate there even was a drawer that was like supposed to be full of period products which at first I was like 
like, that's really cool. Until one day I went in there and there was like nothing in the drawer. Like it had clearly been picked over like forever ago. And I ended up talking to one of the other women on staff and I was like, is there somebody that I need to tell that like we need to refill this drawer? Or like, And she was basically like, well, the woman who was working in a senior role who used to fill that drawer, she, she left the position. So now there's nobody to fill it. And I got so ridiculously angry about this. I so was, wait, was she filling it out of pocket? Yeah. yeah. For everyone else? That's what I found out. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, okay, period products are a human right the same way toilet paper is a human right. Like, come on. We have no control over what's coming out of us. Let's at least give us some dignity. Yeah. And the thing that bothered me too is like, it wasn't just the like women who were working on the professional team that used that washroom. It was also a lot of like younger women, including underage women who were in that bathroom just trying to like get through their shift. And I was like, not only am I forced to sit on a toilet and stare like two feet away from me as a super demeaning sign, but now like the only resource I have if I do find myself in a bad situation, it's not even like funded by the company. It's out of pocket by another person who works there. So anyways, I just ended up getting really mad and like I did make mention to the male members of the staff, like, hey, something needs to be done. And uh, shockingly, it was a very low priority, very low, not shocking at all. So I ended up just being the person who kept tampons in their office. I like mm-hmm. when I got tampons, I got pads, I like got a couple different sizes. And I was just like, if you need anything, it's right here. Mm-hmm. And like, I will never forget, like the first day there was like some really young girl because like our retail end was attached to like our main office end. And and I had, like, never met this girl, like, ever before. But she wandered up to my office and she was like, hey, um, I'm, I just got my period and I don't have anything. Can I borrow something? And in my head, I was like, yes. And I was like, I've been there too. Do not be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And, like, I kind of started doing this quiet thing where I started, like, openly carrying tampons on me. Like, if I was going to the washroom to change them, I was just like, somebody needs to be normal about this. Instead of hiding it up your sleeve. Instead, yeah. And I was like, it sucks enough that I have to pay for it out of my own pocket I was like if this can be some sort of act of like silent like rebellion against the fact that for some reason we don't want to talk about what 50% of our employees do in the washroom like uh, I was just it was like divine feminine rage that <laughs> just mm-hmm. like came out of nowhere it was hilarious when I packed up my office when I left because it was like one box <laughs> full of like period <laughs> products <laughs> I did leave behind the stuff that I was like I, I cannot use this like not my yeah. jam but there okay so there's a surprise amount of campers that would get their very first period at sleepaway summer camp and I don't know if they're still doing this and I don't even remember what company it was but you could order period starter packs Oh my god! As a summer camp organization, yes. and they were free, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Probably because like giving people free samples is the best way to build absolutely like lifelong supporters and <laughs> build up that good brand. <laughs> or awareness. at the very <laughs> least, like use the one thing that you know how to use before you get brave enough to like try other tampon brands. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But it came in a box. It was it was cute, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like neon pink or anything. Like they were navy blue with like mm-hmm. little flowers on it, so it wasn't. So super obvious what it was yeah and then there was like a pad a tampon and instructions all in the box so you could kind of like look at the instructions and figure out like what might work best for you Mm -hmm. yeah so those saved so many people because we get especially at the grade six camp Mm mm-hmm Someone would inevitably wander up and look really uncomfortable Uh, and be like, I need to call my mom. And we would just casually like, do you need this? Be like, do you perhaps need this? Um, Because this camp that I worked at, like the location I was at, Mm. is dorm style. Yeah. So all the campers are in dorms. It's group bathrooms. Mm -hmm. But the staff accommodation on the other side has like each tiny room has two twin beds and an ensuite bathroom. Mm. So we have our own bathrooms. (laughs) And as someone who gets safe toilet syndrome, that was a necessity. (laughs) Because even with that, having a roommate for the first two weeks of camp, this is a dilly-dally. I was going down to the swimming pool to vacuum it at 7 a.m. And so no one would be in that building. So that was the only time I could go go poop (laughs) was when I knew there was no one in the building. Oh, my God. Anyways, the nurse's room was one of these 
like smaller rooms with the ensuite. Yeah. So anytime someone had their first period, mm-hmm. they got to go in and use that space. Nice. And oh, I think safe space. Having your own space, but also having someone right outside the door. Because mm-hmm. that's when I had my first period, like Molly got hers three weeks before me. Oh, classic. And like we had <laughs> nothing prepared in the house. Oh, really? Um, so like my mom had to call our friend's mom. Yeah. They have three girls. Yeah. So she's like, she knew they'd have something. Mm-hmm. And then like the next day at school, um, <laughs> like brought something because it, it was too late at night to go to the store. Oh, my God. I feel like yeah. when it comes to like this, this sisterhood, I feel like it's just like this unspoken solidarity. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're like, okay, when John and I went to the Barbie movie, because like, I really wanted to go and we're like kind of overdue for a date night. And he was like, well, why don't we go see the Barbie movie? Like, you really want to go see it? Like, I don't really know anything about it. But like, I want to go mm-hmm. and like do something with you. And I kind of like had to like stop and like talk to him. And I was just like, you know, like, I'm totally down for you to come. But you have to understand that you can't be like, you can't do the bare minimum coming into this. And he was just like well what do you mean I was like you're entering a a female space and you have to show a mark of solidarity in order to be perceived as a non-threat in this space and then immediately he's like what the fuck are you talking about and I was like well like women are going to see the Barbie movie for a specific reason it was made for us there's probably not going to be a lot in this movie for you boy oh boy was I wrong but I basically said like you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable for liking what they like and enjoy what they like like they need to know that you're buying into to like mm-hmm. what we're doing here and that you support them so they feel safe to like just enjoy the movie how it's going to be enjoyed and like we oh, I made him dress up for it I didn't make him he he thought of the outfit all John's on his like own stressing yeah up. John likes dressing up I would never take credit for pretending I have anything <laughs> to do with what that man wears but he like you know he put on his like fun like purple Taylor Swift purple shorts and like a fun pattern shirt and he was like I don't I don't have any pink but like I don't want to wear pink is like I'm not Barbie I'm just Ken and he like he brought his best Kennergy he had intense Kennergy but I really like I respected the fact that he he didn't need a ton of explaining once I kind of like decoded what I was trying to say which is basically like you are not going to be the boyfriend that goes there and is like well I don't get it and like I don't understand why it's such a big deal it's like if you are going to participate in something that is so overtly made for the girls you have to embody that energy too so we know that you stand in solidarity with us and you aren't one of these right wing assholes who's going to watch the Barbie movie and say uh feminism can I tell you about the worst Instagram reel I saw okay the reel itself was great yes the comment section was the worst I've seen in a long time ugh yeah Um, So this woman had made a reel about going golfing with Mm -hmm. her partner, Mm -hmm. but was talking about, like, wearing the cute outfit, bringing the Kindle, um, having the little beverage on the golf cart. Yes. And in the comments, a lot of these women were primarily women, at least as as far as what I read, because I got frustrated. Um, But (laughs) they were like, that's such a nice way to spend quality time. And, like really positive and encouraging and then there were a bunch of men that were like oh my god like she's just gonna slow down the game like that's gonna like really mess with the golf by doing by sitting there and not getting out of the cart yeah and there was like this weird cognitive dissonance to it where I was like all the women in the comments get that she is not playing golf she's literally just hanging out for quality time (laughs) and all these men were so focused on like the actual gameplay and they like could not comprehend that she was just sitting in the so they think she's out. reading and then getting up to take a shot. Yeah, they what? think she's like sitting there reading her Kindle and then begrudgingly getting up and whacking the ball no. when it's her turn. I was like, that is so no. incorrect. But <sighs> they had jumped to all these assumptions. Yeah, I'm signed up to take golf lessons mm-hmm. this summer and found lessons that were yeah. marketed at women. It's called Golf and Tacos. I know. I think you invited me to that, right? Yeah. 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 They they have a Facebook group. I would highly recommend it for mm-hmm. anyone that's curious because their goal is not just to like set up the golf lessons, mm-hmm. but create a space where you can meet other people. Yeah. Like specifically, like it is primarily women that sign up. Well, I think so much of 
like sisterhood is learning how to make space and take Mm -hmm. up space within it like truly like okay remember we went to that Taylor Swift dance party like Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago I can't remember the last time I've been out in a bar and felt that safe yeah and the reason why all women (laughs) well and my very first Taylor Swift dance party the man came on oh my god all of the men immediately exited the dance floor they Mm -hmm. knew this song was not for them no and it's just like you like you can sing along to the words but there's like you don't understand the way the women that are screaming along to the song like I'm so sick of running as fast as I can wondering if I get there quicker if I was a man like how many times have we been like fuck if I was a dude this would not be an issue yeah like I was half (laughs) expecting the man to be the closing credit song for the Barbie movie really right I saw it on Sunday I've been trying not to do spoilies with you because I wasn't sure (laughs) okay (laughs) how dare you that's why I didn't talk about it because I knew you hadn't seen it yet and I was too excited well here I am being like spoilers and then being like I don't know how much you should say we should have really discussed this off mic before we we had a whole car ride (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure I texted you yesterday and was like have fun I really liked it I will not lie yesterday was such a busy day we (laughs) had like the most fun thing we hit the driving range we're like doing all the stuff but like female friendly day okay do you know what my brain instinct was like Ooh, Mm. golf for John Barbie movie (laughs) for Lisa and I was like no no I like that is not how those activities get segregated also just the fact that my brain jumped to that instead of being like the Barbie movie could have been for John and the golf could have been for Lisa well okay and this is like an interesting thing that you're like my brain automatically jumped there because I feel like I feel like so often when we kind of like fall for the system for lack of a better word like we betray we make these assumptions that like end up hurting other people unless they are category of existence so like actually Kelly and I got into a bit of a tiff not really a tiff (laughs) but we definitely had our first tiptoe towards an argument this was when we were kind of trying to decide the topics for the season. Mm-hmm. And I think it was actually when we were originally talking about the topic of sisterhood. Yeah. And we wanted to do, remember how you phrased it, but it was like something about pick me girls. Oh, yeah. Because I wound up on the side of TikTok of mm. people embodying yes, when they pretend energy. Yeah. And it triggers everyone. Yeah. And everyone in the comments is like, it's not real. It's not yeah. real. It's mm-hmm. not real. And then we had a good discussion because Lisa's like, actually, like, that term is super misogynistic. Well, I didn't say, I just was like, I I don't like it because mm -hmm. to me it feels misogynistic. Because we didn't create the idea of the pick me girl. No. and Like, I don't think, it doesn't feel like a woman created. No, they didn't. And like, I feel like we all, we all have done this at one point too. Mm -hmm. So like, nobody is able to negotiate their way around what I'm about Mm -hmm. to say this is true for you I feel like when you are in a position where you're facing like ongoing forms of oppression so whether that is sexism Mm -hmm. whether it's racism whether it's homophobia transphobia like whatever we all like if you are a victim to that I feel like you always end up kind of falling down this rabbit hole of trying to mark yourself as like different or worthy or like just you know not like other girls Mm -hmm. and I feel like we are just starting to get to the point, and I honestly think we might even be entering like another wave of feminism to this end, Mm -hmm. but I feel like we're just getting to the point where we're all realizing that when we do these things, like trying to separate us ourselves from like an us and them with like, I'm not like other girls, we're actually just creating like this ongoing trauma that bonds Mm -hmm. us all. And we're all like internalizing it and like labeling girls as sluts and bitches and pick me girls when like in actuality, how different am I from like from you? Yeah. No, we have so many of the same experiences. And I feel like TikTok has proven that so well. When you go to a video and in the comments, everyone's like, wow, I have never had an original thought in my life. No, never. And sometimes, like, it's those thoughts or ideas or interests that you're scared to bring up Mm -hmm. that, like, are actually way more common than you think, but nobody's talking with them. Like, even just talking about, like, menstruation more Mm -hmm. openly, I think has been really good for a lot of people that menstruate Mm -hmm. because, like, endometriosis, for example, has so much more coverage Mm -hmm. where there's people that get gaslit by the medical system into being like, oh, that's just cramps. And it's like, no, I'm literally throwing up every time I have my period. It's just like, I feel like the more we talk about 
like our experiences, the more I'm realizing that like it's actually not a bad thing to not mm-hmm. be different because we are stronger together and it's a lot harder to mess with us when we're mm-hmm. all like, no, we aren't just crazy. We aren't just being a bitch. We aren't just being a slut, whatever. Yeah. Like we are all having the same experience because we are all like oppressed in the same way. We're all suffering the same way. And instead of turning on each other, which that was part of the Ken movie when the Kens were, when the Barbies were trying to undo, spoiler alert, the patriarchy that came to Barbie land, they ended up turning the Kens against each other. And once they started attacking each other, they realized they had more in common and were being victimized in the same ways by the system. Mm-hmm. And like, then they realized, oh, like, I'm, I'm okay being just me. So my therapist calls this, to quote Mean Girls, girl on girl violence. <laughs> she calls this sister wounds, which mm-hmm. is so funny because I was like, I don't have a sister wound. I don't, I don't have a sister. But it really is referring to like the specific traumas and pain you feel against like your own sisters, even though you're all suffering under the same I don't know. (laughs) Well, it's like this idea of a pick-me girl, like Mm -hmm. that trope was, or that character, caricature, caricature, was set up to be a villain, to distract women by Mm -hmm. sending their negative energy towards each other. Mm -hmm. I think if we could get everyone to focus their collective energy Mm -hmm. on this system that is not working for most Mm -hmm. people, there could be a lot of good done. But there's all of this drama and backstabbing within a system that just is not working. So it's almost like what the Barbies did to the Kens. Yeah. The same thing. Like, we've been taught to compete with each other Mm -hmm. when realistically, like, that energy could be used very positively looking in one direction. But the one thing about pick-me energy Mm. is that I think it is also an example of, like, how terrible the patriarchy is for a lot of people. Yeah. Because this is someone who does not have a lot of, like, action to them. Like, Mm. they're an aggressively passive, aggressive person. Yes. Yes. Uh, And I used aggressive twice on purpose because (laughs) they are not allowed to have any sort of autonomy. They're always kind of emotionally manipulating people into doing what they want without ever directly communicating what that is, without like specifically asking for what they need Mm -hmm. and without setting boundaries. They're almost like guilt tripping people into doing what they want. Mm -hmm. And so it's someone who has almost like leaned into that lack of power Mm -hmm. and been like, okay, you only see me as this. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to lean into that as hard as I can to the point where it is painful Mm -hmm. and, and see where that gets me. Yeah. I mean, I've been a pick me girl. Oh yeah. I definitely have as well. I have. And like looking back on it now, It's so clearly just me being so insecure with the oppression and with, you know, like stuff on my plate that wasn't put there by me. So I can't believe I'm, uh, it's like the one thing where I'm just like, I feel so gross about it now, but I think it is important to talk about it. Kelly, I have a confession. What is it? I'm a boyfriend stealer. Okay, we need more details. How old were you? Uh, I was 23. And newly single. <laughs> it was it was not it was not a very proud moment of my life. Actually looking back on my twenties, I think is it is the one thing I regret more than anything else because I was a hurt person. And I was also going through my era of, oh no, I didn't marry the man who took my virginity, so now I'm useless. Oh. I know that was that was my era I was in. Again, it's just more product of the same like brainwashing, same yeah. patriarchal system. Because virginity is a social construct. It doesn't like, it, mean anything. It does not matter. I know. I know so much better now. But I was I was feeling just like a useless piece of garbage, and I was acting like a useless piece of garbage, like a crumpled up piece of paper lying, <laughs> lying there. Here. I remember it all too well. <laughs> okay. Did you know that the, like, this man was mm. in a relationship? Oh, Kel- no, I was, it, it was not good. Please don't judge me because I am not that person anymore. Oh, no, we judge people for the growth journey, not for the mistake. This was a growth journey. Um, So I actually, I knew both the man and the woman. And I knew, this was right before I left to go live in the mountains, I knew both of them were newly single. Um, The girl was like 
my ex-boyfriend's friends, ex-girlfriends. So we were like distantly connected. We had like kind of like run in the same circles. And like now that we had both broken up with those two bozos, we were like hanging out a little more. I, I was at a point in my life where I had a lot of sister wounds and I really like didn't trust women, didn't trust men. I was like very competitive with other women still. I had a lot of body image issues and was delightfully dancing around an eating disorder and alcoholism. <laughs> at the same time I was so thin oh my god um, um sorry just for the listeners because I already know the answer were you out yet uh no <laughs> I was not quite out yet I was I was again I was on that first step of like fully bursting into the flames before the phoenix rises from the ashes so this is like kind of the moment where I really caught on fire so I like knew her and like the guy had been a friend of mine since elementary school he was like a year younger than me and I had known he had always like kind of had a thing for me but like it was just like our parents were too close it just never would have worked and before I left I like introduced them at my going away party and I was like well let's just see what happens whatever and then by the time I got back home I like had kind of fallen off the grid obviously living in the middle of nowhere and I came back home and like the girl had like gone off I think she was traveling somewhere else so she wasn't in Canada anymore and I remember I was like hating my life because my cousin was getting married and I was like I can't go to this wedding single like oh, I just, just can't you're fighting those comparisons <laughs> oh yeah and it was just like and it would have been my first time like going to a family function in five years as a single person so I was like I don't want to explain to my family all night why I'm single and I was just dreading it and I was literally like texting everybody I knew please like can, will you come with me to this wedding I just need a man with a pulse to like come with me and this is an area where you and I are very opposite yeah I have never brought a plus one or been a plus one at a wedding other than one time my grandma brought me a surplus one and then I found out (laughs) we weren't even invited oh my god she just got me to drive her to crash the ceremony we didn't go to the reception or anything oh my god but it was an outdoor backyard farm wedding and she just wanted she just wanted to see the bride's dress Iconic. Yeah, I'm totally going to steal that move. Oh my god, I mean, 10 out of 10. I mean, I'm glad you feel that way. I feel that way now, but at the time, I was just like, it was something so scary that I couldn't face. Mm -hmm. And I ended up, uh, I had like a welcome back party and like went out with all my friends. And I was really surprised. Like I knew the girl was gone, but I was like kind of surprised the guy like came. And I ended up talking to my friend and I was like, hey. like." So were they dating, dating or recently broken up or in limbo? I found out, I like told them, I was like hey where's this girl like I thought things things seemed like they went really well I saw on Instagram looked like you guys were maybe hanging out and he was like no like it it ended up not working out like it kind of fizzled she's on this trip like whatever and I ended up being like oh my god okay you're free I'm not gonna be stepping on any toes like please come with me to this wedding and he was like a total like party dude he was just like yeah like sure I'll come with you I was like thank fucking god and like I remember I asked him to this wedding and like I didn't really think anything of it because we had been friends like my whole life like over 20 years of being like, friends I want someone comfortable to hang I out want someone with fun. social yeah and he was like a really good dancer and he's like very charismatic and I remember I like rolled up with him to this wedding he didn't come to like the ceremony which like who cares about that you're just standing waiting around but he came to the party afterwards and he was like Mr. Party like he was like walking around like getting on my own uncle's drinks he was like taking me out on the dance floor like twirling me around like doing all this crazy stuff and we had like the best time at this wedding and then we ended up leaving early because like I will say it was a very nice wedding but like the bar and the food specifically was gone like way too early on in the night so we had been like drinking quite a bit and there weren't like hors d'oeuvres or like anything to snack on like the alcohol to food ratio was off yeah and of course I was really good at drinking alcohol (laughs) so I was quite drunk and I ended up him and I were like let's get an uber and we'll go to the mcdonald's that's like in between both our houses because he was like renting out a house that was not far away from my parents house and Mm -hmm. i was thinking perfect we'll get mcdonald's we can like walk and hang out at his place and like eat food whatever and then i'll take an uber to my parents house and it'll be like a ten dollar uber this is perfect and 
I ended up going to his house and like one thing just kind of led to another and like neither of us really planned on anything happening but like we ended up sleeping together mm-hmm. and I remember like the next morning I like woke up and just looked at him and I was like oh I don't feel good about this like I just don't feel good I like like did- your instinct was telling you something was off yeah and I just was like thinking about it and I was like it feels really weird that like they didn't work out like I just don't understand this and then I ended up like hanging out with him a few times more and it was mostly like us trying to figure out like now what what the potential was if there was any well what ended up happening is I ended up getting an Instagram message from the girl and she's like hey like this guy told me that you guys slept together so I feel like I should tell you like we just like we're seeing each other but we agreed it for it to not get super serious because I'm going on this trip but like I was still under the impression that when I came home, we would pick up where things left off. Oh, shoot. Yeah. And then I was like, fuck. And then I ended up talking to my friend well, kind of yelling at him. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I kind of thought this. And You he, trusted him to give you the correct information. Well, and the thing is, he wasn't super clear. It was very much so like a Ross and Rachel, like, are we on a break situation? And I was like the random girl from like the coffee house. I just realized you've never seen Friends. <laughs> no I know that you. meme, but I, <laughs> I tried to watch Friends and I made it to like mid-season three. I just, oh. I hate Ross. I know. I do too. Like, there I was do too. no redemption potential no. for him. He's like, just a shitty misogynist, yeah. homophobic motherfucker. While Joey is aggressively overlooked and underestimated. I know. I love Joey. Fee- yeah. I'm a I'm a Phoebe though. I don't yeah. I know you don't know who you are, but you're a Phoebe too. Yeah. No, I've done the BuzzFeed quiz to find out even though I didn't oh. commit to watching the series. Oh my god. But yeah, so I ended up like talking with this guy and like he was confused too about like where they he like thought they were fully done. He was like totally heartbroken. So he's freaking out. He's like, fuck, I just blew it with like this girl that I really like. And then it left me in this awkward thing of like, I didn't even know how to feel about it. And at first I was like, well, fuck both of you. Like both of you need to figure your shit out. Like this is not my fault, not my problem. But then like the more I like thought about it and eventually like years later discussed it in therapy, I was like you know, I could have done like a little more. And also, even if even if they weren't together anymore, I set them up. I shouldn't have been the one. Oh, like, that is a key yeah. piece of it. Because I was about to be like, no, like you should not no. have had to do detective work to corroborate the facts. But if but you... outside of that, it's like I, I was the one who was like, hey, I think you guys would be a really good match. And mm-hmm. like. I also, like, I probably could have at least tried to talk to her while she was, like, I think she was in Bali or, like, somewhere where I was, like, I wouldn't have been able to even, like, text her if I wanted to. But, like, I didn't even try. And, like, it was just such a shitty thing to do to someone. And, like, honestly, I will fully admit I have not been brave enough yet to, like, approach her. And I just straight up stopped talking to both of them after this happened. I was just, like, I I can't even deal with how this how did shook you out, shook out. respond to her message? Uh, Do you remember? I I don't know, honestly, off the top of my head. I remember feeling so like mortified yeah, and embarrassed. Sheer panic. And really confused and immediately like the shame. Like you know mm-hmm. when you've done the wrong thing. And I knew, like, even even outside of like all the shit that she told me, it was still like a sneaky thing to go and like sleep with somebody's ex-boyfriend without you know checking with them first like she was still my friend we weren't super close but like I owed that to her and I didn't do her the courtesy of that and it was like that was the only time in my 20s where it was like a really big betrayal and I like could not even talk about it for the longest time and I wouldn't even admit that I had any guilt so like I am proud of myself for at least being like hey we all do shitty things that was a super shitty thing maybe like I'm hoping one day I'll have the courage to like apologize to her properly because I didn't I'm sure I didn't really give her the apology I'm sure I apologized and like didn't say what she needed to hear for lack of a better word I should have done a better job it's tough though because I feel like a lot of the onus in those situations Mm. does end up being in that like woman-to-woman environment where everyone's like, okay, but girl code. And I'm like, no, like you were not the one that had made a commitment. And obviously it sounds like there was just a lot of terrible communication. There was zero communication. I think was all his fault because (laughs) he is the common denominator. But at the same time, like I feel like the reason it comes down to the woman-on-woman conflict Mm -hmm. is because you just already know that you're not going to get a resolution from him. But no, it was just like, and even the way it shook out, like I remember they tried to make it, like when she came back, they 
tried to like make it work but like one of the conditions was he wasn't allowed to talk to me anymore and I remember that made me really mad because I was like we we made one mistake but we have been friends for 20 years and like I remember saying to him like I really don't feel like this is a good thing like I almost that's not a boundary that's a rule (sighs) that's a rule yeah and I remember saying to him I was like you're free to do what you want but like once you stop talking to me like you can't take it back like I'm not gonna forgive you for that because like I thought we were friends before everything first and then lo and behold they he did stop talking to me but then after they broke up he he did try to talk I actually have not like talk to him since I'm just realizing this I should maybe apologize I no, I feel like I should apologize to him too but not to him to her Kate because we talked about this in our very first episode Mm. is that if you have like a friendship with not just men but like anyone you're romantically inclined with Mm. one of your circumstances change and they can't talk to you anymore Mm -hmm. that person is not your friend they just proved that they wanted to fuck you I will say it was pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty good. But it was also, like, it was not worth the consequences in the end. Which I think just goes to show you that, like, no matter how how good the initial, like, high is. The dopamine hit. The dopamine hit. I really don't think it's ever worth betraying someone in your sisterhood. Because it, it's just saying, like, I'll betray you for any guy. Like, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just, I feel like we owe each other so much more than that. On a very relevant note of betrayal, Mm. because we've been talking about movies, Mm. when we were planning out this episode, I could not stop thinking about John Tucker Must Die. (laughs) Yes. Because a lot of those, like, early 2000s movies, when Mm. you go back to watch them, I'll have to check when it came out. We'll share the movie poster. Oh, my God. But... (laughs) Those are movies that get played at sleepovers. Yes. Like, it's always, like, younger girls watching those. Like, I think I was, like, probably in my early teens. I was, like, tweens. 15 or 16. Yeah, not tweens. I, although I literally watched this movie, like, while I was sick the last few days. Yeah. So, like... Like, I definitely couldn't <laughs> drive yet when watching yes, this movie. Yes, no way, no way. But it talks about how, like, these girls came up with a plan yeah. and banded together to take down this person. Mm-hmm. And it made me think of that similar scene in Mean Girls when yeah. Katie and Janice and Damien come up with that list of how to take down Regina Doris. Yes. And it just made me think, like, why do people have to be hurt yeah. in order to fix things? Mm. And so then on that topic I think we can't talk about sisterhood Mm. without also talking about CIS sisterhood yes yes because a lot of those spaces that are like we are for women Mm -hmm. like we are building a sisterhood yeah those are spaces that are only made for certain women Mm -hmm. and I think with these sisterhood conversations like it's really important to recognize that there is often a lot of privilege Mm -hmm. in those spaces like I have been guilty of like signing up for these events that Mm -hmm. feel super empowering you get there and I look around I'm like okay cool um everybody looks like me everybody's a white woman (laughs) great everybody's a girl boss yeah yeah like if someone has a poster or like a social media page promoting a group take a look at those pictures the Barbie movie has come actually under a lot of fire from men yeah but you also like can't argue that if you look at Barbie body types yeah they're not done yet no absolutely not I think it was a big step for them like I did see the representation in the movie Mm -hmm. which was really cool even John like leaned over and he was like it's so cool that there's like Mm -hmm. a Barbie in a wheelchair and we're seeing her like starring in a dance montage there's plus size women there's women of color like Mm -hmm. I was looking at the Barbie movie and all I could think was like I wish that Barbie had looked like this Mm -hmm. when I was a little girl because I think it would have made unlearning a lot of the behaviors and beliefs I had from a very young age a lot easier and like obviously this movie was not fully meant for young girls like it honestly felt like it was meant for older women who had grown up with Barbie but if there were young girls like watching which I think would be wonderful Mm -hmm. I just was like it's so cool that almost anybody could look on screen and see a Barbie or a Ken that looked like them I was just like they need to make the dolls more like this 
Especially because, like, Barbie has done so much good. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to focus on, like, where there's room for growth. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, like, Barbie has had a ton of different jobs from the very beginning. She's been an astronaut, been on the Supreme Court. And Barbie was invented at a time when women couldn't hold credit cards. Well, like, the whole ethos of the movie is, like, when girls had baby dolls, Mm -hmm. it was because, like, women were, we were at a point in society when it was imperative for women to stay home and raise children like that was how things were structured so like you needed to teach little girls from before menstruating and in pregnant impregnating age how to take care of a baby how to get used to that role but like now barbie comes along and you aren't just a little girl imagining yourself as a mother when you play with barbie like barbie becomes you so you Mm -hmm. see yourself it's not like they did a study where when little girls play with barbie barbie becomes them but when little boys play with like a batman action figure they become batman like because they become whatever they want to be let's talk about alan oh my god hey (laughs) alan had nothing to him at the beginning no he's just there no one acknowledges him he is he has no multiples of himself we're talking about alan from the barbie movie again if you don't know (laughs) what we're talking about i thought for me at least alan felt like a queer person yeah. in straight heteronormative spaces. And he was just, it felt like he was also just masking to fit in because mm-hmm. later on in the movie, <laughs> I, I was going to say spoiler alert, but we are so far beyond it's that. It's too late for you now. If you're um, still listening and you haven't seen Barbie, I don't know what to do for you. <laughs> yeah, but at the end, we find out he has all these hidden skills mm-hmm. and he's such a badass. He chokes a man out. <laughs> he chokes like 13 people (laughs) as sad as it is to see somebody who like doesn't fit in with the boys and doesn't fit in with the girls like I've had situations where that's happened to me and Mm -hmm. like just because you know I was a little weird queer kid when I was younger and had no idea but like I don't know I just saw I saw so much of myself in Alan even though I look like a Barbie (laughs) I like to think I have a little Alan inside me (laughs) and his perspective was so cool because Mm -hmm. when he gets like complex Implemented mm-hmm. for the way that he takes down the people that were in their way. The Ken. You yeah. just get this like immense sense that mm-hmm. he's been doing stuff like this all along yeah. and nobody notices. No one gives him any credit. Mm-hmm. There's just this expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's felt like they're on the outside looking in at one mm-hmm. point or another. And I just thought he did such a great, a great way of portraying how you don't need to fit in to a binary or, you know, in into a specific space to still be allowed to take up space there. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay to do that. Yeah, you won't be doing things the same way everybody else is. Like, that's okay. That's how innovation starts. Yeah. You know. And I think he also exemplified how it is very lonely to be mm-hmm. the one and only and to be yeah. kind of that trailblazer and yes. be the first one who's just existing as who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's something where, like, I don't have the lived experience to to mm-hmm. relate to him as well. But he did a really good job of just showing, like, what it's like to be the first person who's just, like, open about yeah. who you are. I know. And he was the first one in Barbie Land who was, like, completely different other than, like, Midge and her weird pregnancy doll, which I agree. It, it's weird to have a doll that's pregnant. It's yeah, all my vibe. also the <laughs> skipper with the boobs that grow as if oh. that is the most important part of puberty I and know. transitioning from girlhood oh, to I womanhood. Know. You know what? It was, it was for me, it was a really interesting way to like, because of course, like I grew up with Barbie. Like I look back, I remember I had a skipper. I had, I also had a weird Barbie that had a haircut and was <laughs> permanently in the splits. Oh yeah, we all do. <laughs> but I feel like the overarching like theme of Barbie and of today's episode episode is that like this idea of sisterhood this camaraderie we feel with each other it is so important to elevate and empower each other just by learning to see each other like not as competition and instead as like inspirations and collaborators and like we were saying when we were talking about John Tucker must die like we are only as strong individually as we are like as a group leaving the movie theater it just I felt different than before Mm -hmm. I went in and like 
we were talking about it, how it feels like with like, you know, Taylor Swift's like era tour going mm-hmm. on or eras tour, one one single era. Um, <laughs> but like the idea of like all the friendship bracelets and this, it almost feels like we're just like reclaiming feminine spaces in a way. And like un mm-hmm. being unashamed of, you know, liking stuff that's pink. And I want to go to Taylor Swift and like scream all the songs. And I want to dance around outside the stadium with all my friends and like can I tell you the moment that touched me the most during the movie? Mm-hmm. It was when America Ferrera made her speech. Oh, uh, yes. That's it. all over my Instagram. It's all and over. I love it. I've been reading it word for word every time it pops up. Should we read it right now? In case anyone has not read that yet. Because it spoke so well of just, like, the feeling of trying to balance, like, being in this new um, mm-hmm. kind of framework mm. where women can have careers nowadays, mm-hmm. but nothing else has been taken off our plates. So, like, in a lot of, like, heteronormative relationships, yeah. and I'm on the side of TikTok where it's, like, relationships are just flopping because <laughs> men want someone who is their equal, yeah. but what they actually want is someone who's going to split the bills 50-50 mm-hmm. and still do all the housework at home, yeah. do, like, the cooking, the cleaning, all the pink jobs. Yeah, actually, so... I'll- I'll read America Ferreira's speech, and then I want to talk about what John said to me after. Because, like, okay. have, when she was doing this speech, she leant over and grabbed my hand. Like, I think the hardest he's ever held my hand. And we, we talked about it after, too. So this is America Ferreira's Barbie monologue. It is literally impossible to be a woman. You are so beautiful and so smart, and it kills me that you don't think that you're good enough. Like, we have to always be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. You have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say that you want to be thin. You have to say that you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane, but if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much, or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be part of a sisterhood. But always stand out and always be grateful, but never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory, and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And if all of that is also true for a doll just representing women, then I don't even know. So right before we went to see the Barbie movie, like a day before John and I had gotten into a huge fight. Mm. And like we don't really fight. Like we're pretty good communicators. But like he came home. I think he had like worked a really long shift. And like he came home and I was just like all day I've been working on like cleaning the house like I was kind of a little late on our spring clean but like I'm there and I'm gonna do it now and like he came home and I was like just expecting him to notice and he didn't and it just expected he didn't just expect he it just like wasn't on his radar like we hadn't talked that like I'm gonna be doing this today or like anything he just came home and it was all done like it was almost like a little surprise and then he just didn't notice and he like to his credit, like, to be entirely fair, he works a tough job, par- paramedic on ambulance. Other things are happening in his orbit. But, mm-hmm. like, some point around, I think right before dinner, he just, like, looked over and he was just like, do you mind cooking something? Like, I, I just can't do it right now. And it was, like, something in me just, like, snapped. Like, I had spent all day cleaning, like, made everything perfect. There was no acknowledgement and then, like, an ask for more. Mm-hmm. And I just, like... I went to the kitchen and it was like I did the same thing that I think every girl has seen her mom do at one point in time where it's like something in you snaps and you go to the kitchen and you're doing what you were told to do 
but you're not doing it in a polite, nice, small, quiet way. Like I was like throwing pots around, like being like, you know, slamming covers and like not a very mature way to communicate. But I just lost my mind. And John, of course, was like, are you good in there? Like, are you okay? And I ended up having this conversation where it's like, I'm not asking you to like pitch in. Like, I know you have other shit going on, Mm -hmm. but I need you to notice and acknowledge that this is going on because Mm -hmm. otherwise I feel crazy for like expecting like a thank you. Like, I need Mm -hmm. you to acknowledge that something is happening. Like, acknowledge that I'm not the only one in this situation. Like, I'm trying my hardest to like not go insane while being unemployed. Mm -hmm. I'm trying my hardest to like be perfect, like keep the house perfect. And like, you don't even notice sometimes. Can you just like look at the coffee table and look at how nicely I found out the magazines and be like, wow, that looks great. Like that was all I needed. Just notice something is different. Yeah. And I was like, I did a hell of a good job. I like cleaned up the front yard. I like had weeded the whole lawn. I picked up all the apples. That's those stupid fucking apple trees that will not stop dropping apples. (laughs) I like had cleaned the whole house. I had done a deep clean of like all the bathrooms. Like I just had a really productive day. And the fact that I didn't get a thank you or an acknowledgement, just like I couldn't handle it and I was like I need you to acknowledge when work has been done because that is important to me like please do that and I was like I feel like I'm the only one who like notices what I do and then during America Ferrer's speech like I had expressed to John I was like I'm trying to be perfect I'm just trying to get through this and like not lose my mind I'm not doing super great right now Uh, (laughs) but I was like I just need you to acknowledge that I'm not the only one in this situation and when he like leant over and grabbed my hand during the Barbie movie I feel like he understood in Mm -hmm. a way that I don't think he really connected like especially he knows a lot better than most men he's very close to his mother obviously he's a lot of female friends like we're really close but he like walked out and he was just like I understand and he was like you don't need to be perfect like the expectation in our house is that you're not perfect. The expectation is you're just trying to be happy. Yeah. And I was but, like, nobody's ever said that to me before. And I love that he said that, but yeah. at the same time, like we don't need permission from one person. No, we we don't. But <laughs> we I just think, need a new system. No, yeah, we don't need yeah. permission from one person to be like, oh, okay, thank God you told me I can be happy. Now I'm happy. But it's like, all, I was putting like a weird pressure on like mm-hmm. our household dynamic that is 100% like patriarchal in nature. Mm -hmm. that wasn't put there by him he's just like going to work and like eating sandwiches like he has no idea what's going on but I really like love that afterwards and on the car ride home he was saying I actually want to see the Barbie movie again because I feel like I didn't he was like I was really distracted by like the colors and Ken's amazing musical number he's like I feel like there was a message there that I want to like relearn in a way and go Greta Gerwig also for being the highest grossing film directed mm. by a woman of all I know, time. I know, queen, queen. Be- beating Oppenheimer, which has also Shocking. been very well um, yeah. like anticipated. Oh my God. I have not, I did not do the Barbenheimer. I haven't <laughs> seen Oppenheimer yet. My, my dad went yesterday, oh, okay. so I need to ask him what he thought. Yeah. But... Like, I don't think there's a movie that Greta Gerwig has touched that I don't absolutely mm-hmm. love. So, like, Little Women was oh my one God. of my favorite books of... So, is one of my favorite books of all time. That movie. Oh, it was Especially beautiful. because, like, that book was, like, very far ahead of its time with a character mm-hmm. like Joe, mm-hmm. who does not want to get married, mm-hmm. lives outside of the kind of, like, traditional roles that are expected. Absolutely. She's a working woman. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. they call her, like, Brother Joe. Brother Joe. <laughs> but Greta Gerwig had, if you haven't seen the movie, it's in a different order than the book. Yeah. So there's, like, these parallel, like, past and present stories. Oh, it's so cool. Which I love. It's like, very confusing if you don't understand what's going yeah, on. You'll nor- have to watch a few times. Normally, I prefer chronological order. Mm. But in this case, just the way that it's executed to oh, give beautiful. us... To feed us information at certain times. But then at the end, when Joe is becoming a published author mm-hmm. and the publisher yeah. is forcing her to marry off her character. <sighs> so her then we almost hit this moment where we're like, wait, mm. did Joe actually get married and find this happy ending or is that just how the story was forced to go it's just it's so interesting I feel like we are right like I feel like Barbie is going to kick off a whole new generation of movies for women Mm -hmm. where 
it, I feel like it's really going to ride us into this tidal wave of, like, if we aren't fully in the next wave of feminism, I feel like we're going to ride Barbie into that. And, like, mm-hmm. it's so cool. Like, you know, the early stages of feminism, you know, just give us the fucking right to vote. Like, just give us some mm-hmm. sort of autonomy at all. You know, just give us, like, freedom over whether, you know, our bodies, like, birth control. And a lot of those movements, is it was about equating the feminine to the masculine and kind of taking those two Mm -hmm. um, archetypes and turning Mm -hmm. them into one archetype of humanhood. And I feel like now we're getting to the point where like, it's not like, yes, we are all humans. Yes. But it's a completely different experience to be male, female, non-binary, trans, like whatever you want to be Mm -hmm. cisgender, like not cisgender. Every experience is unique. It is so important to hear these stories and they are all equal. Yes, but they are not the same. Yeah. And it's really cool seeing a movie where femininity is not demonized. It's not like mm-hmm. the movie Mean Girls where being a girly girl is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're a plastic if you're a girly girl. That's bad. Now it's like you can still be a girly girl and like the color pink and still be strong. And like that's not something to be feared anymore. It's just so cool. I'm so excited. I hope I have a daughter (laughs) and I get to experience this with her because, like, it's such a different cultural landscape. And it gives me more hope than I've had in a long time. If you think of it, like, equality does often feel like a binary where it's taking two forces and Mm -hmm. putting them together. But Mm -hmm. I think people are starting to understand equity a lot better Yeah, where we need to get everybody access to the same spaces and the same opportunities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. sometimes that means like when you are in a position of of influence within yeah. a sisterhood when you're coming from a position of privilege mm. sometimes the best thing you can, you can do is just like step out yeah and give that spot to someone else 100 percent. we need to draw the line here um okay key takeaways today i think the biggest one is the best thing you can do to build up yourself and your sisterhood is just start finding allies Mm-hmm. And, like, make sure that you are being an ally. I think the key takeaway for me from the Barbie movie was mm. just say things out loud. Because the movie starts with stereotypical Barbie yeah. having these thoughts that are very different from mm-hmm. everyone around her. Mm-hmm. But hugely crucial to, like, driving the movie forward. Mm-hmm. And they become more and more important as the movie goes on. Yes. And those thoughts that she's having really get built up Mm -hmm. over time so that just made me think of like just getting things out in the open so not being passive aggressive yeah being direct being honest with each other Mm -hmm. and then also taking criticism because like no one is required to be perfect Mm -hmm. so it's not about executing something mm-hmm. perfectly every time and yeah. like avoiding risks like that's not what we like people no. should be doing if you're going to do something risky if mm-hmm. you're going to be outspoken own that but also like be open to feedback and be prepared and if someone's giving you feedback mm-hmm. be prepared to acknowledge it and accept it and think on it mm-hmm. you can take your time and the journey will look however it's going to look for you yes but Don't just internalize it because Mm -hmm. I think sometimes sharing that learning process Mm -hmm. is the best way for other people to learn where you can be like, hey, Mm -hmm. I made a mistake. I used this term. That's not a term that I should have used or I spoke on this and Mm -hmm. I was making an assumption or I was speaking for a community I'm not part of. Mm -hmm. And just sharing that and being like, this is what I learned. Mm -hmm. This is how I'm going to change what I did or this is what I'm going to do differently moving forward. And then someone can experience that and be like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That was clear. Mm -hmm. And then they don't have to go through that active learning process that you did. Mm -hmm. They can... don't be a boyfriend stealer like just don't do it it sucks (laughs) just ask both sides of the couple yeah 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 I think just the more we talk about our experiences and kind of get over this fear of being vulnerable I feel like the more we're going to realize we have way more in common than we think Mm -hmm. and I think the more we recognize that you know we are more similar than we are different I think there's so much strength in that and I think as long as people continue to do this and share their stories and we continue to kind of reclaim 
our power back from our oppressors. Yes, queen. Yeah. Like, I feel like things are just going to get better, but we need to keep doing that. Now is not the time to be quiet. And make spaces for different voices because Mm -hmm. examine, like, if you're feeling uncomfortable Mm -hmm. or threatened in the space you're taking up. Yes. Think about why that is and maybe consider it, do you have a space of privilege that you need to, like, unlearn? Yes. Because... If you are claiming space mm. and feeling challenged in it, mm-hmm. have you earned this out of merit or mm. are you sitting here out of privilege? Good point. Okay. Which is uncomfortable, but it's important. Yes. yes. Okay, really quick, uh, Rosebud Thorn. What's oh, your... Rose is the Barbie movie. Rose, yeah, my Rose is also yeah. the Barbie movie. <laughs> I think Bud is, yeah, I think just continuing to examine mm. how I'm showing up and speaking up in mm-hmm. different spaces and mm-hmm. making sure it's the right spaces that have the right environments for <laughs> everyone to have the potential to be in those spaces. I am laughing because your bud is so philosophical and mine is like, we reseeded the lawn for a second time and the lawn's actually growing. <laughs> Yeah, so a literal bud. (laughs) So your bud is that you smashed the patriarchy and took ownership of the outside jobs. I did. I did. I've been getting a little bit more brave with, because I had like a lawn dad who was like, don't touch my lawn. Like I must mow it in a specific way and water at certain times and weeding every night. So I've always felt very like outside of my zone there. But yeah, I'm finally, I'm getting brave. I'm, I'm going to see how far this bravery is going to take me and I'm going to practice it just doing little things like this. And hopefully like eventually I, you know, I just get used to being brave in my everyday life. I don't know what my thorn is, Kelly. Oh, I've been sick the last few days. I hate, I hate being sick. And also randomly I've come to realize that whenever I'm sick, like as much as I hate being sick, I get like weird revelations when I'm under the influence of cough syrup like I don't know because I, I just meditate the whole time I'm sick like it's either like resting or meditating and I like went through this whole thing I was like texting Kelly I was like I think I should be a yoga teacher like I would be really good at that like why have I never thought of this so oh, yeah you gave me three different new career trajectories in the I, last 48 hours I know. and I fully support all of them I know I'd be great at all of them it's just a matter you of what I have to just up. like pick one to tackle first I know but that that's the hardest part. That's my thorn is I hate having to choose because I'm mm. a person who I believe I should be doing spectacular things. So the second I start doing something spectacular, I start saying, well, that's not spectacular enough. And then I go. And hence the long journey of me ending up here. <laughs> okay, but if everyone was scared about not being spectacular enough, we wouldn't have that's the Barbie true. movie. That's true. God, I'm an because inspiration. Greta, well, and Greta Gerwig <laughs> believes that she is spectacular enough to tell the stories that we need. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to go right Okay, so moral of the story. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please do. But moral of the story is, I, like, I always used to say, like, sometimes you just need to channel the audacity of a mediocre white man. No. But no, I think... We don't want that. Chart. We want to channel the audacity of Greta Gerwig. Of Greta Gerwig. <laughs> yes. And then of all these other spectacular humans out there mm-hmm. that are already doing the cool big things. I want to channel the audacity of Ryan Gosling, who, when he first got cast as the role of Ken, remember everybody age shamed him and said he yeah. was too old to play Ken. And he said, fuck you. He's facing the same discrimination that women in Hollywood face all the time for getting too old. He went in, he did amazing. And Mm -hmm. he was sexy. And I was like, nobody else could have played that part. I'm going to channel the spirit of Ryan Gosling. (laughs) Yeah. This is an hour and 15 minutes unedited. Enough. Bad at Boundaries is a podcast created by Lisa Hennig and Kelly McGillis. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Bad at Boundaries. Thanks for listening.